The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Foot First Podiatry. Painful bunions, then it's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. For more information about the Sklar Bunionectomy, visit footfirst.com. And by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, makers of Liquitite Flexible Conduit, electrically connecting our world. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Sportscaster and Her Son, where sports bridges the gap between the generations. I'm your co-host, 12-time Emmy Award-winning sportscaster Peggy Kaczynski from NBC Chicago, and I'm the baby boomer and the mop. And I'm your other co-host. I'm Jason Canander. I'm Generation Z. I'm a sophomore at University of Texas. I'm involved with student television. I'm involved with uh, Southside Sox on the writing end, and you could follow me on Twitter at Jason Canander. Happy to be here, Mom. All righty. And uh, we actually have someone else to introduce. This is Shay Canander. Shay is our moderator today for this edition of the podcast. Shay is Jason's twin brother. Don't they look alike? No, not at all. Hey, Shay, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So you're going to moderate us in a little bit of a debate style. We're, We're ripping off PTI, right? And you have some statements or some topics that you are going to throw at us, right? Yeah, I've got a few questions for you guys. Okay, why don't you give us the ground rules? What is it that we are doing? All right, so basically I'm just going to give a uh, topic or a question, and I'll give each of you guys one minute to respond to it. After a minute's up, I'll just tell you that your minute is up, and then the next person can give their response. And, uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. All right. And so we should tell people that while Jason is studying uh, broadcast journalism at University of Texas, Austin, that Shay, what are you studying and where do you go to school? I'm actually studying hotel administration uh, at Cornell University. I'm also a sophomore. Would you say that sports is your forte? And not necessarily. I used to be really big into sports, just like Jason, but uh, recently, you know, it's not really my forte. I mean, uh, I have some knowledge on sports, but I wouldn't call myself really a sports fanatic or an expert by any means. Okay. All right. Well, let's get this going. Jason, you think you're ready for this with your uh, twin brother? Yeah, I am. I actually just want to tell the uh, audience really quick that I sent like a list of questions to kind of guide Shay and mom took one look at them. And I think that she just said, I don't know what any of these are referring to. So we're going to go with my questions. So I just want to like let everyone know that I'm going in at a disadvantage here. Um, I sure hope we're not going with your questions because they really were not very good. So anyhow. All right, Shay, we're going to let you uh, take it away as we get started with this rapid fire debate of uh, an episode of this podcast. Um, Take it away. Go. All right. So let's jump right in. Um, So Aaron Rodgers tested positive for COVID after insinuating that he was vaccinated, though he was not. He also broke team rules and NFL rules by attending a team party unvaccinated and without a mask, as well as appearing maskless in press conferences. Uh, Ever since, he has criticized and expressed skepticism over vaccines. So what's the next? So what's next for the Packers moving forward? And do we think Rodgers should face any additional penalty? I'll go first. I, uh, 
First of all, yeah, he is definitely going to face additional penalty by the NFL. He's going to have at least a big fine. Uh, secondly, while this entire situation was unfolding with Rodgers being on the Pat McAfee show, the biggest thing hanging in the back of my head was he's doing this on purpose. Aaron Rodgers, everybody knows, is disgruntled in Green Bay, does not want to be a Green Bay Packer pass this year, and hates their front office. So why would he do anything other than create such a big distraction and make the entire objective of the season about him? So that's my biggest takeaway for the Packers. They need to begin to distance themselves as much as possible. As we're doing this right now, Jordan Love is making his first NFL start for Green Bay. And I don't know how it's going, but Packers better hope it's going well because if this week has shown anything, it's that Aaron Rodgers will not and should not be the starting quarterback in Green Bay next year. All right. I just got to tell you something. What do I get a minute here, Shay? Because I may need 10 minutes on this. All right. Yeah, I'll give you one minute. He didn't do it as a distraction. He's just an asswipe, okay? He's an idiot. This is ridiculous. You know, the whole team knew. There is absolutely no way that they didn't know. Uh, there's no way that they, they you know, suddenly this is a distraction to the team. They were all in on it together. So, you know, a team has to know who's on the COVID list, who has not been vaccinated, because those guys are supposed to eat lunch away from the rest of the team, can't go into any group you know, gatherings like, oh, I don't know, a Packers Halloween party, um, you know, do press conferences without a mask on. You know, he's just an idiot. And and he proved it when he did the Pat McAfee show. He proved it with his reasoning. They were all everything you read on the Internet, but without any real explanation. He said that he was allergic to uh, one of the, the proteins that is in uh, the Moderna and the Pfizer vaccine. Yeah, he didn't say plus. what it was that he was allergic to. What exactly? It, it, it just is a lot of stuff that is conveniently working on his behalf. I just don't. I'm sorry. I think he's an idiot. I think that he should be suspended, but he won't be. Uh, I think he should definitely be fined, but he probably won't be because he's Aaron Rodgers. Do I get more time? No, you 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 it's about fifteen seconds over. Mom, I, I don't think I've I don't think I've seen you that fired up since I had to see the dean's office junior year. <laughs> I just it just the, the the whole thing really just really really angers me because it's just stupid. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. You know what side of it you're on. It's just really really stupid on his part. Yeah, and I just want to say like no offense to the anti-vax community, but if anybody listening to this hasn't gotten the vaccine, can you please just send me your research because I really want to see what information you have that we don't have because I got the vaccine almost over six months ago and I feel great. So yeah, I just right, I, I'm, this, I'm with you, mom. This, I'm this against it. This is not it. supposed to turn into because I don't really care what side anybody's on. So I really don't. Let's uh, let's move on. Shay, you got to take this over so that Jason doesn't take yeah. it over and talk and talk and talk. So, anyways, basically what I'm hearing is that Aaron Rodgers is kind of just the Kyrie Irving of the NFL right now. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah, yes. exactly. All right, so let's Listen, on. those those were rules that they agreed to. That's all I'm going to say. He's an NFL PA rep for the Packers, and they agreed to those rules. You don't like them? Then don't play. Maybe yeah. maybe because he didn't think uh, – anyway, just kidding. Yeah, go on. Let's move on. Let's move on to the next topic. All right, so let's talk Bears. Should they have moved anyone to the deadline, and if so, who? Okay, I'm going to go first on this. Uh, yeah, maybe one of the three quarterbacks that they have and one that is not named Justin Fields, uh, that would be a good idea. How about um, – Hmm. I don't know. The guy that hasn't taken a snap yet this year, that was the backup last year. Nick Foles should have been gone. 
Nick Foles, there are teams in need of quarterbacks right now. It makes no sense at all why the Bears were not able to move him. So should they have? Yes. Did they? No. And once again, it just shows you the ineptitude of the front office with the Chicago Bears, that they were not able to move him. Uh, they, they, maybe they could have picked up another running back. You know, uh, Maybe they could have gotten rid of one of their 12 tight ends on the roster. But the glaring, the most glaring is a quarterback. Uh, take it. You, Jason could have my final 10. Take it away, Jason. Yeah, I actually said something pretty similar on uh, one of our Texas student television shows. I just don't understand why the Bears didn't move any of their defensive players. Like, look at what Denver did. Denver moved Von Miller on an expiring contract and made two two day two picks happen out of that. You know, you can't tell me the Bears would have gotten less than that for Khalil Mack. Eddie Jackson. Eddie Jackson is probably the most scrutinized player on this Bears team. There had to have been some sort of market for him. Robert Quinn is having a big year. Get rid of that big contract. I I don't understand why the team stood pat. I really don't, especially with all the draft capital that they gave up for Justin Fields. You know, you kind of should be rebuilding that to build around Fields, and they didn't. And I guess it doesn't matter because Ryan Pace won't be here at the end of the season. Matt Nagy won't be here at the end of the season. But it is kind of mindless because the team's not going anywhere. Those veterans on defense are only going to get older. So I don't understand why the Bears don't decide to flip them for assets. But it's beyond it's beyond the point. The season's done. So, yeah. All right, next topic, Shay. All right, let's move on. Let's talk about the Bulls now. So the Bulls are 7-3. and three. Uh, Do we think this is a start of a new era? And if so, who is the face of it? I'll, yeah. This... Uh, also, ultimately, are the Bulls contenders or pretenders? <laughs> I'm, I'll go first. Yeah, the Bulls are absolutely pretend uh, contenders. This team is way different than any past Bulls team that we've seen since Jimmy Butler and Derrick Rose are in Chicago. This team... First of all, values defense. Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball are two of the best defensive guards in the NBA, and they've been playing at that level so far. The new additions have been great. Ball has done everything at the point. Alex Caruso has been the best six man in the Eastern Conference. And DeMar DeRozan has been scoring 30-plus points like it's his job to do so. So I think that the Bulls team right now, they are contenders. They've beat some good teams. They've put together good comebacks. That's the thing. All the Jim Boylan Bulls teams would roll over and die. Now the Billy Donovan Bulls teams don't roll over and die. When they lose, at least they have fun losing. So, yeah, I do think that these that this Bulls team is a contending team in the Eastern Conference. And I think that at the heart of the retooling, rebranding of the Bulls is Zach Levine, their young star. So, yeah. All right. Jason, pretty good there. You still had some time left, and uh, that doesn't typically happen with you. So, um, I mean, I, you were the one who went over first. So, <laughs> all, right. all right. So, That's I am cool. going – All right, I'm going to say um, Billy Donovan's face should be on this uh, organization right now as the face of the team because he is doing a phenomenal job with what he has been given. I think the front office is doing a phenomenal job in a very short time. for a new set of uh, uh, executives, for a new head coach in the last season and a half, two years, I think it's fantastic. I didn't really know much about this team. They just kept getting players here and players there, and everyone knew about Ball, of course, and Tamar Rosen, but I, I like what they're doing. I will say this, Jason, as you know, I stopped watching the NBA a couple years ago, and one reason was because the Bulls were really just very boring to watch. They were not a fun and an exciting team. I like this team. They're exciting. They're fun. They're having fun. They bring energy, and the crowd is back into it, and people are talking about it. So I say put all of their faces on the face of this franchise and this rebuild. It's great. Perfect timing. 
So well, while the Bulls front office is doing great, um, another Chicago team can't really say the same, the Blackhawks. Um, the Blackhawks are deep in scandal right now. Uh, the recent sexual abuse allegations revealed a lack of action by upper management, uh, including on the part of Coach Q as well as Stan Bowman. Uh, and they're currently struggling on the ice too. Will the Blackhawks ever recover from this? I mean, considering the dynasty they had in the mid-2010s, will the Blackhawks ever return to that point? All right, I'll take this first. Um, it's going to take a long time. This is a, a sport that could not afford a scandal uh, by one of the, its marquee teams. And the way they handled the sexual abuse allegations is so horrific. Uh, it turns your stomach. The fact that they put wins ahead of um, humanity uh, is is really hard. Um, I have put my Blackhawks gear away a couple of times. I went to take a, a, a sweatshirt out and I actually put it back because I just feel so strongly that it is, they are a long ways. They are a long ways away. They have had too many contracts that really hurt them, that they were unable to move. And now the team is old and slow and everybody else around them is young and fast. Uh, that coupled with everything that has happened is not good. Uh, it's They're a long ways away from, uh, unfortunately, this is going to hurt them for a long time. All right, perfect timing. Jason, take it away. I'm just I'm just going to say, first of all, that the scandal and the, and the findings were so horrific. And I guess the one, if there even is a silver lining, it's that the Blackhawks had an excuse to get rid of Stan Bowman because that was at least five years, maybe seven, eight years overdue. Um, as for the team right now, the product that's being put on the ice or lack thereof, firing Jeremy Colleton should have happened over the over the winter. This is a Blackhawks team that is frequently defined by doing things eight to 12 months after they should have done that, whether it be signing free agents who are a year past their prime, whether it be trading expiring contracts, trading players before you need to pay them. Uh, this is a Blackhawks team that is so off when it comes to the times. And I just think that the quote from Jonathan Taves, the game after the report was released, that I just think most of us were focused on playing hockey at that time. I think that that quote is going to be something that I associate with those Blackhawks championship teams for the rest of my life. So yeah, I don't I think that there's any Jason. coming back. I, you know what? You brought up a good point about Jonathan Taves. You know, one of my favorite players I've ever covered and um, it's really hard to think that a, a captain didn't know that there was some some you know shit going on. Um, yeah. Well, they that, all that, knew. It's just, it's it's hard to stomach the fact that all of them knew and none of them did anything about it. You know. That's exactly. Yeah, that's really really. I agree with you. That was yeah, a tough I'll, one, Shay. Honestly, I'll chime in here and say that like you know, growing up such a big Blackhawks fan and seeing just how well they did in the 2010s growing up. Um, it really sucks to see that this stuff was going on behind the scenes. I mean, it really just makes you think differently about, you know, those teams. But anyways, let's move on. And I'm going to go back to the Bulls and say, um, so mom, you actually brought this up and you said that uh, Scottie Pippen recently revealed that uh, he and Michael Jordan did not really have too close of a relationship, which personally kind of reminds me of a lot of like the Shaq and Kobe drama that happened. Um, there was a lot, uh, you know, there, I, I, there was a lot of drama made out with them, you know, at the time, but does this whole Scottie Pippen and MJ stuff surprise you considering that you covered the team, uh, or is, you know, is this good for Scotty for saying it, or do you think he's just looking for attention? Let, let, let me go first before mom. <sighs> Who's going mom, first here? Go. Mom, you I'm can go with mom here. Okay. Does it surprise me? Hell no. 
It does not surprise me. Are you kidding? I'm going to tell you a quick little story. I was emceeing an event for the Ryder Cup at was going to be at Medina Country Club. And it was a, to kick it off. And they had a bunch of Chicago celebrities, um, sports celebrities at this event. And I was emceeing and I forgot Scottie Pippen. I forgot to introduce him. And he, I, you know, we caught it right away and it was like, oh gosh. And of course, you know, Hall of Fame, you know, Scotty Pippen, one of the, you know, the, the century's top 50 players, blah, 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 blah. He actually said to me, uh, are you going to forget about me again? The next time I saw him and he was serious. This is a guy who is so thin skinned that to play in the shadow of, I'm not even going to say the shadow. He played next to Michael Jordan. He was a benefit of Michael Jordan. He never would have gotten half as good if it wasn't for Michael Jordan. He would not have had six rings if it wasn't for playing with Michael Jordan. Is it a team? Yes, of course it's a team. But am I surprised? Up. I am not surprised. It's Scotty freaking Pippen who is who is just bitter about everything. Jason, what are your thoughts on this? Well, first of all, I mean, if Scotty Pippen really wants to say that him and MJ weren't close like weren't that close when they played. No one's really going to believe that, especially considering what Scottie Pippen has been like in the public eye for in the past two years, ever since the documentary documentary was released. Honestly, they just need to get the microphone out of this guy's face because everything that he's saying is either baseless, untrue, destructive, or all three. So I, you know, mom, you were around and you covered the team. I just find it really hard to believe that Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan didn't get along, especially when everybody, whenever you talk about great duos in sports, the first one that gets brought up is MJ and Scottie. Like if they didn't get along, I think people back then would have known. And I think that their legacy would not have been like the greatest duo in the history of basketball. So I don't believe it at all. I don't buy it. It's Scottie Pippen trying to inch his way back into the public eye. No, it, it's, it's ridiculous. I just think that people need to begin to tune out Scottie Pippen the same way they tune out Jose Canseco and just think, okay, this is an old crazy guy who's going to say some dumb stuff and either laugh at it or don't take it seriously. I think that's how we need to treat Scottie Pippen from now on. He wouldn't be first a celebrity coming, without Michael. Yeah, He wouldn't I mean, even be a Hall of Famer. First thing that's coming to my mind here is that picture of Scottie and MJ after MJ's flu game where Scottie's kind of embracing MJ, you know. I think that just kind of, you know, to me that's always how I viewed them is just being, you know, a close duo. And I don't know. Let's move on here. And uh, Ugh, please tell Scotty to move on too. next time you see him. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, let's talk baseball. Were the Sox smart to bring back Craig Kimbrell? Pretty short question, but Jason, let's hear your thoughts. Well, yes and no, because they're not actually going to bring back Craig Kimbrell. They're almost definitely going to trade him. And the only re- it was very smart to pick up the option because the only reason why they would pick up the option would be if they knew that he had a market. And there are teams such as the Philadelphia Phillies, Los Angeles Dodgers that are going to have back end of the bullpen troubles. They're going to have a void and they have players to trade and the payroll flexibility to move it. At the end of the day, the Kimbrel trade was horrible. And I hope that it doesn't become another Shields for Tatis trade with Nick Madrigal. I was always high on Nick Madrigal as a White Sox, and I think he's going to be incredible on the Cubs. But, yeah, it was smart because at least they're going to be able to salvage trading for Craig Kimbrell. He did nothing with the White Sox, and hopefully they'll just be able to get something in return, maybe some payroll flexibility at the very least. You know what, Jason? That's one of the smartest things I've ever heard you say on our show. You are um, you're pretty smart because if – that indeed happens. And he is not on the opening day roster because they are going to use him as trade bait. 
then I will give you all the kudos in the world and say, you're absolutely right. What a brilliant move by the White Sox and Rick Hahn. Really great move. If it is not true and they do not trade him, then it is not a great move. This is a guy that struggled. They, they way, way underestimated the mental approach that a closer has and how it can be so delicate. And it, it failed. It failed. That He could not pitch in the eighth inning. That was not his role. That was not what he's used to doing. And I know it sounds really silly to many people, but it's true. You know, that's how he has lived and made his livelihood in baseball. So if he is not on the roster and he is indeed traded, then – Great move bringing him back by the White Sox. But if not, then I'm going to say stupid move because he's just not going to be a setup man to a closer. He, he's going to be traded. I, I'm All positive right. he's, he's going to be traded. Okay. <laughs> All right. Sticking with the whole baseball topic here, um, let's talk the Cubs. So what's the Cubs' next move? Um, I guess they're expected to make some big moves in free agency. Uh, any big names that could possibly be returning to the friendly confines or any new faces possibly coming in? What do we think? So, yeah, first of all, if there is a new name going to the Cubs, it won't be Carlos Correa because he's going to get over $200 million this winter. And so the Cubs won't, won't go anywhere near that. As for the players that they gave up, I would go out of limb and say that there's no chance Chris Bryant's back. They won't pay for him. Anthony Rizzo, I think, has moved on from Chicago. I think that if one of the three players that they traded comes back, it, it would be Javi Baez, but not necessarily out of necessity. It would be more so by default because I don't think Baez is going to have much of a market. And the Cubs are going to have a middle infield hole as is. So in long story short, I guess that maybe Javi, but otherwise I don't think that the Cubs fans or, or anybody should be so hung up on these heroes of 2016 because they're gone. And if they don't come back this winter, they're never coming back. All right, this time I am going to disagree with you because there's a lot of middle infielders available in free agency this year. So I do think that Javi Baez is going to have a market. Um, Chris Bryant, there's no way he's, he's going back to the Cubs. I think Anthony Rizzo comes back. I think he has a lifetime contract with the Ricketts family. Um, and I do believe that they traded him to give him the opportunity to play with a, a legendary team. And he got that opportunity to play. Uh, he went into the postseason. Um, I think that there is probably, you know, I'm going to put it in the 90% range that he returns to the Cubs. Now, someone like Kyle Schwarber, not going to happen. You know, uh, Bryant, not going to happen. Baez, I don't think that's going to happen either. I do think that Rizzo is going to be back. I do think that he is going to end up just uh, retiring as a Cub. Um, I do think they're going to be, you know, Jason, you've nailed this, that they're going to be big players in free agency this year, but um, they need to win the fans back and there's no better way to do it than to bring back one of the guys that they love. Time's up. Perfect timing. All right. So um, any other free agency predictions uh, just in terms of baseball in general? I know Jason, you probably have some predictions here. Let's hear it. Yeah, I'm going to, I have two pretty big predictions actually. First of all, I think that, uh, Carlos Correa is going to be either a New York Yankee or a Detroit Tiger because those are the only two teams that can really pay him. And the Astros just offered him the low ball offer of low ball offers. It was like five years, $165 million. Like maybe if they had doubled that, they'd have a chance. Secondly, I think that Clayton Kershaw, uh, he officially opted out, meaning that he is a free agent. And I actually don't think he's going to come back to the Dodgers. I think that he's going to go somewhere else um, right out the end of his career. A lot of people are saying L.A., uh, the Angels, though. So I think that that'd be interesting. I 
he's either going to retire or he's going to go somewhere else. And then finally, Freddie Freeman, Atlanta Braves. I think that he is going to get the biggest contract in history for a first baseman, which is saying a lot because of Albert Pujols. But after all he did in, in October and November, I think that there isn't a price that the Braves won't pay to keep him in Atlanta for the rest of his career. Um, I don't have any predictions on free agency because uh, I, I'm bored by that when it comes to baseball. So I'll let Jason stick with his predictions. This is not a this is not a debatable topic. You're bored by free agency, or you don't know who the free agents are this winter. <laughs> Both you asswipe. <laughs> doesn't surprise me, Mom. I know you're not really you know following baseball that much when it comes to anything other than the Cubs or the Sox. So you know, yeah. That's yeah, why I so, let Jason go first. I knew that he had some uh, some predictions for us. Right. You don't have any more of Jason's topics, do you? Uh, no, I don't, actually. I actually have one more question. Oh. And this is specifically, um, I wanted to like, sort of direct this question towards you, Mom. Um, so you also brought this one up to me. You said that the, uh, the Chicago Tribune front page story is about women in Chicago radio criticizing mm. the industry for its sexist and toxic culture. What's your two cents on this? I mean, you've, you've worked in the industry. You're an experienced veteran. Um, you're a pioneer in the industry. Um, can you attest to this? You know, what do you, what do you think? Wow. That's a, that's a loaded, that's a loaded gun for sure. Um, so I would say this, I started in radio in Chicago on the entertainment side. And, um, we once, um, a sometimes columnist, Mary Mitchell said that women in radio are only sidekicks who laugh and giggle. And that really offended me because I was considered a sidekick. I was, you know, to Kevin Matthews. And um, I think that we were a lot smarter than that. And I think that we knew that we were playing um, roles. And, um, you know, uh, a lot of times you are playing, you know, you might be playing something that is, you know, stupid, uh, but you're doing it on purpose. You're playing it. You're not being that. Um, I don't, I could never say that Kevin was ever, ever, ever denigrating, you know, to, to women. Um, we had smart, we did smart radio, um, sports radio. I was also in, and I think that sports radio does have an issue of the boys club and, um, I think one of the reasons why this is such a difficult topic is because when you do your demographics and it's, you know, 65, 70% men, then you need to have someone that the men are going to tune in and listen to. And that's really hard. So you can't just demand jobs because you're a woman. You have to be really good enough to appeal to the male listeners. Um, but is there a toxic culture? I don't know if I would call it toxic. Uh, I do say that there's definitely a need for more opportunity for women in sports radio. Um, it's, it, it's, it's a very tough business for sure. Yeah. So I'd let you go over the time there because I did want to hear, you know, your full thoughts on that. But Jason, I also saw you sort of nodding your head to that. Um, do you have anything to add here? I mean, you know, you work you work in sort of student television and journalism. You know, what, what have you seen? Like, what what can, what can you say about this? Yeah, and it, it, it's not even as much about that. It's more so about growing up with mom being in the industry and and people asking like, oh, your mom is a sportscaster. Like, does she know anything about sports? That's like, definitely. well, yeah, my mom does know a lot about sports because she is a sportscaster. Um, so I think like stuff like that is is there's just like this whole stigma around it. And I think that the modern times is going to change that. But 
until the newer generation of people come in and become the administrators. And this isn't everything in life. Until the people from our generation, Shay and I, are the decision makers, there will still be that old fashioned sentiment. There will still be that sexism, the racism, that all of that. And it's not necessarily an excuse to just say like, that's just the era that those people grew up. But it is because like you can't tell somebody that the way that they've been thinking for 50 years is all of a sudden wrong because a bunch of 18, 19 and 20 year olds think that they're wrong. So it's going to take a full transition from the people at the top leaving those positions and the new thinkers, the new age, the new generation, Generation Z coming in with their open minds and with equality and with the new laws that are going to be put into place and with the new diversity. And and a lot of things are already changing with college applications and with now I'm applying for internships and everything has a diversity statement and a gender and racial equality statement, and which I think is great as even as a white male. So that's something that could end up disadvantaging me. And honestly, I don't mind because I think that everybody should have the same opportunity. And for as long as sports media has been around, it hasn't been until this past decade or so where everyone has had the same opportunity. Can I just break format for a second and ask both of you boys, since you are my sons, um, there something that I didn't mention though, is the criticism is really, can be really harsh on women in the, in the business. You guys both saw it growing up with some of the criticism that I got. And I'm just curious, like I, because I had seven brothers um, and, you know, grew up tough, you know, one of the toughest broads in the room. One of my, you know, co- co-workers used to always say, um, like, I should have had to deal with it, but I did. Um, I'm just curious how you guys as sons and as m- young men, how you look back at some of the criticism that I got. I'll go really quick here before Shay comments and just say, like, I think that you kind of retired at the right time in that sense. I didn't get on Twitter until I was a freshman in high school. And that was like literally your last ever Bears training camp. And then you did the world series and then that was it. So I never really experienced it firsthand. Um, I think that I'd think a lot differently about it. If you were still uh, working in the same capacity that you did as we were growing up. Um, So it was something that I didn't necessarily experience, but yeah, like, I feel like if if it was something that I did experience, it'd be something I'd be really passionate about because that's my mom. Like, I don't want people saying like nasty stuff about about my mom just because she's on TV and just because she's like a female sportscaster. Like, I think it's wrong. And and yeah, it puts it into perspective that I have like a parent that worked in, in it and witnessed it firsthand. But I can't really speak on it because it's something that I didn't really experience, um, at least while you were working. What I'll say here is that I feel like just – um, being into sports in general and just like, um, you know, sports broadcasting, journalism, just anything that involves women in sports. I mean, there's a huge culture of toxic masculinity um, in all those industries. You know, it's very much like, you know, it's male dominated. Um, you know, it's there's there's kind of just a stigma around, you know, women um, being involved in these industries. And that's kind of why, like, whenever there are women that are dominating you know, some of those positions in the industry, like you, mom, you know, being like the top sportscaster for NBC5 for such a long time. I mean, it just feels like a lot of people, you know, a, a lot of these people that are, uh, you know, perpetrating the toxic masculinity always seem to sort of, you know, question the validity of women within the industry, which is really unfortunate because, you know, you had to work very hard to get to where you are. And pretty much anybody who's holding like, you know, any sort of sports broadcasting position or, you know, sports management as well. I mean, there's only one female GM in the MLB now. And I think Justin, the core 
you know, the big four sports in general, um, you know, it really seems like women just have a lot, uh, a lot less room for error. And like whenever, which, which is unfortunate and that's, you know, perpetrated again by, you know, a lot of men in the industry. Um, and that's kind of why you face so much criticism for things that just did not really deserve to be criticized. I mean, it's, you know, it's unfortunate in general. And I think Jason, one thing that I, you know, one point that I do want to go back to that you said is that with our generation sort of starting to grow up and, you know, starting to move up into, you know, roles and starting to, you know, get into like their careers and stuff, there's very much a shifting mindset in a lot of industries other than just sports. Um, you know, our generation is definitely a lot more progressive than some other generations. Um, and I think that's definitely going to, you know, deep into the future, I'd say 10, 20 years into the future, that's, we're really going to see that I think in sports and in politics and in business and pretty much anything, you know? So, yeah. Hey, with that being said, Shay, you did a great job moderating our little PTI today. Well done, buddy. That was great. Well done. The the questions were really good. I wonder where you got them from. I'm kidding. Yeah, Um, yeah. Thank you guys for that. Thank you guys for that. All right. So we want to thank Shay for uh, joining us as our moderator today. You can follow him on Instagram. Uh, see how artsy and uh, creative he is. Um, speaking, as a- speaking of that, speaking of that, the shirts that uh, Jason and mom are selling on Tee Public, uh, the sportscaster and her son shirts, I designed those. So, um, you know, click the link wherever that is to go. It's on our website. Merch. On your website. Yeah. Click the link, you know, go to the website to go pick up some merch uh, that's designed by me. So. Absolutely. We've got some uh, really cool ones too, that we can show people. Um, And I I've worn them. We've got the Chicago quarterbacks. We've got the, um, uh, we don't always get along t-shirts. We got the Chicago sports, uh, the skyline. Um, So yeah, Shay's very creative. Thank him very much. Shay, thank you for, uh, for moderating. We really appreciate it. Um, yeah, and, really, really uh, quick, really quick. While we're while we're plugging ourselves, I'm sure that some people are going to notice that I uh, am growing out some facial hair. So I'm participating in Movember this year uh, to raise awareness for men's health. That is something that you can kind of keep track with um, on my Instagram, and I'll possibly post some stuff over to Twitter. I'm looking to, we're looking to my fraternity at UT. We're looking to raise a certain amount of money. So if anybody's interested in donating any money, I will have a um, little like template up on my Instagram story by the start of next week. Uh, it'll be after the show's posted. So if you have any desire to donate towards men's health and see my facial hair look any worse than it already does, you will have every opportunity to facilitate that. So. Awesome. Also, thanks to Aldo Gandia and the Barroom Network. Also, thanks to our Sultan of Sound. That's Adam Yaffe. You can find us on YouTube. You can find us on our website, thesportscasterandhersun.com. And, oh, um, man, where can't you find our show at this point? So our everywhere. show is on YouTube. It's on Google Play. It's on SoundCloud. It's on Spotify. It's on uh, Barroom Network. It is on Podbean. It's on uh, Apple Play or like whatever the Apple host thing is. It's literally like anywhere that you watch a podcast, you can find our podcast. So if you want to watch it, you'll be able to find it. So thank you guys for following us. Don't forget to check out our merchandise, all designed by Shay. Um, You can get your laptop stickers, your hoodies, your hats, your um, T-shirts. Hopefully beer uh, koozies soon or root beer koozies, I guess. Okay. (laughs) Thanks, you guys, for joining us. Good to see you, you guys. Both be safe at at school, okay? Yeah. All right. Always a pleasure, Mom. Thank you all for joining us as well. We'll see you next time. So long.
The Sportscaster and Her Son is brought to you by Electroflex, a global leader in electrical conduit for over 60 years, electrically connecting our world. And by Foot First Podiatry. It's time to get your bunion fixed with Foot First Podiatry's exclusive Sklar Bunionectomy. No visual scars, no casts, no crutches, no kidding. Visit footfirst.com.